My name is Leisha Brannan, and I'm currently a seminarian entering my last term at the Seminary of the Southwest in Austin, Texas. And it's my honor to be with you this morning. Mother Mary Morrison is my rector from my home parish in Paso Robles, California, and she graciously invited me this morning to preach for you. So along with a lot of other events in the world this week, an important one took place in our tradition as the Episcopal, excuse me, Episcopal Church, as well as the Anglican Communion. A few months ago, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, asked for a meeting of all the primates. Now, as I've talked about this with friends this week, the first thing they think of with primates is not people, but monkeys. But rest assured, our primates are archbishops, and they include our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. So last week, in fact, a week ago today, they all, um, most of them, I shouldn't say all, but many of them, the majority of them, met in Canterbury to pray, to worship, and to gather to discuss an important issue. The reason that Justin Welby asked them to come was this important issue, that they were worried was going to break the communion. And the issue is the actions of the general convention taken last summer concerning same-sex marriages. This time together was meant to be one in which they could engage face-to-face and discuss this issue person-to-person with the primates and their representation of 165 countries and 85 million Anglicans. As I studied the epistle, Paul's letter this, this week, I couldn't help but wondering if the archbishop felt a bit like Paul with the Corinthians. Now, we are a very diverse world, and he was gathering all sorts of cultures and beliefs, hopefully all under the Anglican tradition. Well, Paul felt the same way about the Corinthians. Now, Corinth was a place just on the edge of Greece. It's a big trading port surrounded by sea. And at about 150 B.C., it had been ransacked and destroyed by the Romans. Well, 100 years later, Julius Caesar decided to repopulate it. So he pulled people of all different cultures. There were Judeans, there were Greeks, there were Syrians, there were Egyptians, and they were the freed slaves. They came with their pagan religions, their own beliefs, and when Paul got there, he worked diligently to gather them together as the first Christians of Corinth. So I saw some parallels between what was happening this week and what Paul was trying to do with the Corinthians. And in our epistle that we hear this morning, Paul has been given the opportunity to explain to them exactly what spiritual gifts are. There's been some misunderstanding, some confusion. There's also been a struggle for status and power using these gifts. So he's really giving them a lesson, not only about spiritual gifts, but also about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's part in these spiritual gifts. So Jesus sent 
the Holy Spirit, to be our guide, to be with us as Jesus' divine nature in us when his bodily presence would no longer be with us. And it's that in which we are able to receive the holy gifts, the spiritual gifts. But we can't do anything. There's nothing in our hustle of daily life that we can do to receive these gifts. We can't earn them. We have to be open to receive them. And that openness comes from what we do here together, how we pray, how we worship, how we read scripture, how we join in as community, as Christians. And the idea, if we are open and ready to receive, the Holy Spirit will flow. And there'll be this constant circle, this constant flow. We receive, the Holy Spirit gives. We receive, the Holy Spirit gives. And it's in this flow that we are drawn closer and closer to Jesus. We are given a revelation of God and the kingdom of God. So Paul's explaining all this to the Corinthians. But he's also telling them true spiritual gifts are non-competitive. No gift is better than one another. No receiver is better than one another. You cannot earn any status from these spiritual gifts. And the reason is the spiritual gifts are given to us individually, but we're not to use them for our individual gain. In fact, Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, not the individual. This common good is the body of Christ, and that rises above any individual. Every person, every Christian, whether it be the early church in Corinth, us gathered here today, along with every person in the Anglican Communion. We are all part of this mystical body of Christ. We are all Christ to the world. I believe this is what the Archbishop was trying to impart by gathering this meeting. That when we look to the common good that is above us individually, the communion will not be broken. The Holy Spirit will offer these gifts and we will engage them. So the primates met for five days and one of the things that came out of that meeting amongst other things is that the Episcopal Church would have a certain sanction that our ability to participate in some of the committees and, and different things that the communion offers would be suspended for three years. And this may seem hard to take. And if you've had the opportunity to listen to Bishop, excuse me, presiding Bishop Curry's message, I would commend you to do so. He so beautifully articulates that we will continue for that higher good. We will continue in the love of Jesus Christ and we will continue to be inclusive to everyone. So as John read earlier, and I'm going to reiterate, Paul states so beautifully, now there are varieties of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all and every one. One Spirit, one Lord, one God for everyone. Amen. Amen.